0: you're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the ever-faithful one, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Happy, I guess, belated Valentine's Day. Thanks. Yeah. Is that, is that weird to say? Perhaps. I feel like it's not. I feel like it's good. We're, we're bros. It's good to have a little bro bro love. That's not totally weird. I feel like we should insert the the music from from Scrubs here.
1: Oh yeah, I don't know if you know what
0: I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, uh, guy love, right? Yep. Yeah. It's guy love. That sounds right. Maybe I'm missing. Maybe it's not guy love. I don't know. No, it is. Is it guy love? I don't remember the the melody, but I know the lyrics are like it's guy love. It's love between two guys. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I remember. I remember the thug very well. I've thugged that very much. That was on my iPod. You know, going back a couple of years, obviously. I mean, talking about Scrubs is already going back years, so. Very true. All right, well, I, I don't want to slow roll it any longer. We also do have a special guest this week. Uh, we have the immortal one himself, Mike Everett. How are you?
2: Uh, good. I'm having a good time. I am in full support of the guy love. Don't compromise. Uh,
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Oh, my gosh. I used to love that show. The show was fantastic.
1: Yeah, my, uh, one of my best friends in middle school was, like, obsessed with it, so I saw a good bit of it, and then finally, like, I watched it from start to finish in college, and I was like, man, shouldn't have taken me so long to do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's, like, the mo- one of the most realistic uh, medical dramas, or medical dramas, comedies, um, that they ever produced, believe it or not. Um,
2: I- I've heard that, too. I mean, like, it's between that and Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm.
0: and...
1: Having watched both those shows, Scrubs seems like uh, more real characters.
0: Yes, very yeah.
1: much. So, one of my things with Grey's Anatomy, and this is true of, like every drama, and whenever I watch them, I'm just like, "This is so unrealistic because nobody goes through this much stuff, right?" Like, how come there's just never a normal moment in your life? I know it's because it, like doesn't make good TV, but like, come on, there's got to be some downtime.
2: You really don't have to flex your privilege that much on having an easy life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so we know <laughs> Oh my god, it's so funny. Sorry. Um <laughs> just so we uh are on the same page, right? Uh Mike ended up making the top four of the SCG Legacy Ten K in SCG at SEG Philadelphia. So we thought it'd be a wonderful time to have him on talk a little bit about his deck, talk about the tournament overall and all that fun stuff. Um, And because, of course, he is a legacy stalwart at this point, we are going to talk about Modern first, because that's just what we do. So we'll talk about Modern for a little bit, we'll jump over talk about a little bit of food chain action, which I'm really excited about, and then we'll uh, talk about the tournament in general. Sound good to everybody?
1: Yeah. Sounds good. Also, in fairness, Mike plays a lot of Modern, too.
0: I I play a lot of Modern, and I do play
2: a decent amount of the deck that you played, so uh, I'll, I'll know what you're talking about. I don't know if I'll have valuable insight here, though.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I still associate you with um, with uh, Battle of Wits in my head whenever it comes to mind. Well, now. that that was my first claim to fame
2: uh, was the the Battle of Wits mirror at SCG Baltimore a couple of years back, what? which I I did win the sanctioned match of Battle of Wits versus Battle of Wits. It is my crowning moment until about two days ago. Uh, man, yeah, I I did it. It was great. There are a lot of pictures, a lot of
0: Twitter clout. I'm going to have to search for these photos. These these will be in the show notes. I will will not rest until I find photos of this Battle of Wits mirror. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this man play Battle of Wits at multiple events. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, haven't brought it back in a while. Uh, I was getting carpal tunnel a little bit, so I really had to rest the hands, but, you know, we're almost in a post-pandemic world, right? So
0: I can uh, start working out, get the muscles ready. Good. All right, well, let's talk about the 10k that happened over the weekend and it's a combination of two different events right there are uh, a couple here so we are looking at a little bit of i don't say confusing data here but we're looking at a lot of stuff well obviously we'll say it like that so for the tournaments, it actually was a pretty huge event right the first one actually sold out Uh, the second one i think was pretty close to selling out as well
1: yeah, I don't remember the exact numbers. I think last time I looked at it it was like three seventy-four, something around there. So very close to the four hundred mark for both.
2: Mm-hmm. So, the cap was like four ten, right?
0: Four hundred. Just four hundred. Yeah, cap was four hundred, which is like still way too many. Yeah. Um, and they, well, they, we're looking at the Reddit list, and they have it kind of combined in a, in a. I'm gonna say it in a weird way. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Um, they compiled the top 32 lists um, after Swiss, so it's not necessarily the top, like, the winning list or anything like that. It's just the decks that, the 32 decks that did the best. Um, so it's not going to be in any particular order uh, as far as, like, top 8 considerations, things like that. But you do see a couple of decks performing pretty well consistently throughout here. Uh, Five-color creativity. Uh, you see a lot, little bit of Blue-Red Saga, a lot of... Blue-Red Saga, sorry. Blue-Red merktide rather. I'm, like, all up in these MH2 cards. Uh, a couple green white scales, things like that. Looking at the top 32 breakdown, the most popular deck by landslide was Grace's Death Shadow. I mean, seven, I guess, out of th- the top 32 is not necessarily landslide, um, especially when it's followed up by uh, Merc Tide with five. But there is a huge drop-off after that, going to things like Hammer Tide, Red, Black, Rock. Um, Mapson, you actually played it in the modern events, right? Uh, Yep, uh, played both days, so...
1: Uh, win go
0: ahead sorry. I going to say it,
1: it went pretty well I uh, would definitely like to run through my event but uh, even before that I just want to touch on the winning deck list um, you know one one of them was one of them was uh, the four color Urion deck I think so that one's not super interesting mm-hmm. but it is worth noting that it was won by Ivan Espinoza, who also won the NRG championship which is just like super impressive like what a dominant run um i also saw like somebody online talking about like oh it's a shame that this nobody is gonna like come out of nowhere and win this event and everybody's gonna forget about him because there's no coverage mm-hmm. it's like while i agree with the sentiment of no coverage like he just won a major event last month i don't think he's a nobody and i don't think we're gonna forget about him
0: yeah he but, i thought i definitely saw the name i was like i i know this person and like looked it up and was like yeah he's he's definitely just a killer in disguise so um, good yeah, on him. I don't though. even think it's in disguise, right? Like I I think if I got parity against him, I would be like, "Oh no, I'm actually going to have to like work for this win." Yeah, de- I mean, definitely if you didn't if you don't didn't know before, you definitely should know now. Um just a really impressive run. Yeah. But that being said,
1: much more excited about the the other winner. Uh no offense to Ivan, but the five color creativity deck. One, I love creativity as we all know. Mm-hmm. Two, the fact that they're actually playing all five colors is just like, I don't know, it's really greedy, but it's kind of beautiful to me. Um, and so they're going with the Archon plan, which, you know, I've gone on record on saying I'm not a huge fan of the Emerald Cole, uh Sarah's Emissary plan. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like Archons, but, you know, when you draw them, they have felt just as bad, but I love that it's kind of fixed in the stack by Jace. Um, but I just, you know, I'm I'm really interested to try the stack out. It just looks
0: super powerful. Yeah, and if you're looking at like a deck that has like a, I don't want to say a good control plan, right? Like you got really effective removal. Renix is obviously just a beating in terms of trying to fight up, uh, fight against these blue-white controlled decks things like that. Um, and I think hard evidence is like, I don't want to say even low key, very high key. Like, the best blocker for Ragavans in Modern right now. Yeah, that card's secretly a house. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, like a 3 I mean, like, obviously it goes down to your fatal pushes, your lightning bolts, but it doesn't go down to unholy heat without delirium. Um, And obviously just being able to make two things that you can target with your creativity later in the game is is really good. Other thing about these uh, top eights, too. um,
1: One, they're very... It, it was pretty varied, especially the, you know, they split it into two events, but the one that was won by Ben Katz, uh, which is also the one I was in, just had a really interesting top eight in particular. But also, I, I love just seeing legacy crushers in here, like Kenta top-aided, I think of him, like I know he plays both formats, but I really think of him as a legacy guy. Like Marshall Arthurs, top-aided, and I really think of him as a legacy and vintage guy. Um, Jordan Baronhouse top-aided, and a, Think of him as a legacy guy. Uh, Ely Kassiz, top aided, just known killer in all formats. Um, Danny Dressup, also kind of all-format killer. Uh, Also, shout out to my friend Lance Nines, Uh um, who was one of my losses in the Swiss, so still mad about that, but he also top aided, which was cool to see. But, you know, just a lot of legacy names, which was really nice seeing them, like, kind of crush in another format.
0: Yeah, I think having... A Tournament where it's, it's day one modern, day two legacy definitely gives you a little incentive as a legacy player. Because I, in, once again, I know Ely's Ely, for example, plays a number of formats, right? He was uh, on the Pro Tour for a little bit, so um, very experienced, very good legacy player. Um, but I don't really imagine him as a, as a mod, big modern player, but you know, I think that's just wrong of you, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. Really, yeah, oh. In my mind, I always imagine him more of a, as, a, as a legacy player, for uh, like, foremost. Yeah, I mean, like, I think in
1: his ideal world, he would probably play the most legacy. Mm-hmm. But he has played a good amount of Modern. I mean, think about it. He was, uh, like, crushing it on the SCD Tour for a while. Like mm-hmm. I think he was working towards the player championship.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: Played a lot of Modern. I mean, he's played a lot of all formats, right? Like, we already... Established. he's played a lot of Legacy. He's played a lot of Modern. He's played a lot of Standard and Historic and Alchemy and whatever else because he was in um the MPL.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, definitely some cool list overall. Um, any, we haven't really gotten to see the the impact of Neon Dynasty yet. It's obviously out on Magical Online, but it's not out in paper yet. So. We're missing some of those cards, but I, I'm kind of excited to see how this format evolves from here. Like I think the format right now is actually really interesting, really fun, really dynamic. So hopefully we get to keep a little bit of that. Yeah, the well, format's great. Um,
1: and then, yeah, I, if it's okay, I just want to take a quick minute and run through what I played in my, my matchups. Yeah, of course. Um, so I played Amulet, surprise, surprise. Approved by two out of three people on this cast right now. That's right. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Cool. Fl-
1: okay. <laughs> I played with a very heavy white sideboard. I can't remember if I talked about it previously on the cast, um, but expecting Grixis Death Shadow to be such a huge part of the metagame, which you know I was very correct about, I um, my my sideboard was basically built to hammer against that deck. Um, my main deck was built to just be consistent, powerful, fast. But cards like Rest in Peace, Prismatic Ending, and Celestial Purge were all to have sort of a transformational sideboard against of Shadow, right? Transition into more of a mid-range deck, um, boarding out cards like Amulet, Urza Saga, Cultivator classes, just things that are weak to like dress down, things that are weak to like a bunch of discard, um, and really just trying to outpower them. Uh, rest in peace in particular a house against grix's shadow shutting off unholy heap shutting (laughs) off drown in the lock shutting off dragon's rage channeler shutting off florist like that card just has been such an overperformer for me um that being said i did not play against grix's shadow once throughout the day so my sideboard felt kind of silly but um you know it one of the great things about amulet is you actually don't really need your sideboard too much you kind of just do things um like your your main game plan is generally good enough against most things um so round one played the mirror against uh somebody some of the listeners might know nick deru we've actually played the mirror before he beat me the first time thankfully i was able to get into this time uh round two i got the Quick 2-0 against Burn. Turns out Cultivator Colossus is really good. Um, Round three, I lost to Lance, as I previously mentioned. Turns out main deck Blood Moon is very good (laughs) against Amulet. Mm -hmm. It turns out in sideboard games, Blood Moon is still good against Amulet. Uh, We were marked is just like one of the worst matchups. Round four, I got it in three against Blink. Um, That was a pretty good matchup. Cultivator classes also, like, went nuts there. <laughs> I, um, I put in six lands and ended with a handful of spells, and then the game was kind of unlosable in game three. Round five, I played against Tron, uh, and I got super, super lucky there. Like, my opponent had turn three Tron, I was like, please don't carn me. Please don't carn me. And he was like, I'm not going to carn you. And I was like, I don't believe you. And then he played something that wasn't Karn, so the game ended on, when I untapped. And then post-board, it was like he played Urza's Tower on one and Urza's Tower on two, and I was like, oh, okay, so I won. Because uh, anytime they don't play two, like, two tron lands in a row, the game ends. Um, round six, I played against Rhinos, also with main deck Blood Moon. So that was pretty obnoxious, but I was able to get both post-board games. My opponent kept really greedy hands in game two and three. Uh, game two, they kept a Blood Moon hand that didn't have a third land, and they got punished because they didn't draw the third land. And then in game three, I think they also kept a Blood Moon hand, but it didn't have a red source. Wow. Uh, and it just didn't work out because like their their plan was like all in on casting Blood Moon. They didn't really have support so like when they didn't draw the card they needed they didn't really have much else going on and i mean i actually did have the answer for blood moon in game three but like yeah i didn't even need to have the answer round seven i played against red black rock which was a pretty good match Raider colossus did insane things there yet again round eight i played against harlan fear on teamer Merktide which was really interesting I will say this matchup felt much better than the Blue-Red tide because being Teamer meant that he could not play Blood Moon, so that was sweet. And um, he was flashing green for Tarmogoyf, mm-hmm. So my Rest in Pieces were a little bit more effective there than they would be against normal Blue-Red Merktide. Um And also his deck was just like a little bit slower. Cavern of Souls did a lot of work there. And then uh, going into the last round, I was actually able to draw. My opponent was not, which was really frustrating. Like, I went into the round in third place, played against John Sago, which I think is typically a good matchup, but Mm. things did not break my way. Fell down into salty ninth place. Ugh. It's brutal. Yeah, but, you know, these things happen. It was still a good day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hung out with a lot of friends. So, hard to complain too much. Played my favorite game all day came out um you know after entry 200 dollars up had much worse days for sure
0: Uh, is there anything you would change about this deck going forward
1: uh yeah i mean i would actually (laughs) change a a lot uh which is like an awkward thing to say after doing well um you know the deck was really good um i would run back the same list if i had to do it again Uh, But, you know, we're moving forward, and Beseju got printed as a card, so, like, I want to play copies of Beseju moving forward, that card, you know, is obviously going to be really good in this deck. You can find it with Expedition Map, which is super good, Um, and I think Beseju has a lot of interesting effects on the mana base, right? Like, I think it kind of incentivizes you to have more green sources, which, conveniently, Beseju is its own (laughs) uh, green source that comes into play untapped on turn one. Because of that, you kind of want a few... It's hard to figure out where it slots in and how many copies you should be playing. Mm -hmm. One of the easiest things you can do to free up slots is cut the Slayer Stronghold package. So cutting Slayer Stronghold, Sunhome, and Fortress of the Legion. I just named the same card twice. Slayer Stronghold, Sunhome, and Boros Garrison. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can replace those uh, with just a hand rear battlements. It's not as powerful, but it takes up less room. Yeah. Um, once you cut the Slayer Stronghold package, you can also cut the Crumbling Vestige. The card is way better when, like, you're trying to get Valakut online with Dryad Arbor and Slayer Stronghold, right? Because when you have Dryad out, Crumbling Vestige comes in, you can cap it for red when it untaps, and then the trigger will make white. So it kind of works as a Boros Garrison where you don't need to set yourself back on lands, which makes your Valakut more more potent but you know if you're not all in on that then you get to cut that right so you kind of get to cut i just named four cards you get to cut mm-hmm. so you can easily fit in like three baseju and the handwear battlements um now since you're more green i also know a bunch of people are really high on uh, Lair layer of the hydra so i might try that card out i don't actually know if it's good or not um i have not been convinced but i'll at least give it a shot um, there was a ptq this weekend on moto in which the neon dynasty cards were legal and it was actually won by amulet uh punt and wine if, if people want to hear more about that i'm sure he will talk about it on his own podcast this upcoming week uh, so you can find more information about his list on titan talk but i would probably start with his list and then almost inevitably make changes because punt makes a lot of weird choices that's not me saying they're wrong they're just they're weird yeah i i you're laughing but anybody who has looked at his deck list i mean he was on lotus bloom for how
0: long mm-hmm. no you're you're right we I'm, I'm laughing because you're correct not because it's funny <laughs>
1: yeah like I, I i don't know he was just like on his whole kick about uh um, secure tribe scout being bad and lotus bloom being the truth and it's like there's no way this is possibly correct mm-hmm.
2: so uh as someone who has like a little bit of amulet experience I've been playing the deck on and off for like three years now, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of the deck that I picked up when I decided I wanted to stop playing Battle of Wits and start winning tournaments instead. <laughs> and you just like totally blew my mind with the crumbling vestige for Slayer's Stronghold under the Dryad to keep your land count up. I have definitely missed that play several times in the past. That's, man, this deck is very complicated. <laughs> uh, but the... Uh, the, the lair of the hydra i actually have played twice now just at my my local weekly modern nights and other than like the cool trick you can do with um like getting under a ensnaring bridge where you activate for one to try to sneak in and then activate for a whole bunch more after it attacks outside of that i was not impressed uh, i think it's a little too slow it comes and taps too often and it dies to
1: too much of the the removal in the format yeah, that, that kind of lines up with what I imagine. I just keep yeah. seeing people say it's good, and I I just feel like it has to be a wasted slot.
2: It, it felt really medium to me. I think once we have Bisejus, it's going
1: to be uh, abandoned very quickly.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: also, the, the, I guess the thing I didn't touch on is I'm not sure that I'll be able to play with the white sideboard for a bit. I'm you know I'm going to look to start with more of a mono-green, like, Splash, uh, Pilaria West build. Eventually, I might work my way back to the white, because again, the white was super impressive. Pesadri does help with some of the same things that the white helps with, though. So, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I'm very interested to see the effect that Pesadri has on the format, because, you know, like a deck, you mentioned this before, like, you know, Blood Moon is a... is an issue. It's not insurmountable, but it is an issue uh, for this deck, so... You know, that obviously is a land that's going to help that match up a lot, and I, I'm expecting it to show up in Jun Saga, for example. I think that could be another kind of, you know, Ghost Quarter, Red and Six package. Um, a little cleaner, though, a little more broad. That That's definitely the card I'm still the most uh, interested in seeing, how it expands, especially when we get into the Legacy format.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to play with the can Can't wait to have some copies in my hand. Yo, it's crazy, so I I know I said I was going to let Pun talk about his own PTQ experience, but (laughs) um, he played against Hammer in the finals Hmm? this man had four force figures and four besages in his 75, talk about a joke like, (laughs) how bad that must have felt (laughs) from the Hammer play
0: yeah, that's kind of rough, yeah, it's pretty rough yeah, I don't, I don't know I'm going to hold judgment until I see how that pans out. I feel like that... I feel like it, look, it looks very powerful, so I'm excited to see kind of how it how it actually works, but uh, it might be a nightmare for some decks. It's just it's kind of a shame for Modern, especially, because we, like, we saw that, like, blue-white... I don't want to call it Affinity, but, like, Artifact-centric deck that I won a couple of weeks ago. And, like, that deck is kind of all in on the, you know, kill you with Nettle Fist type of strategy, and I and, you know, maybe I can get it back with a Academy Ruins, and I feel like that does not really work when you're getting peseju left and right. So, and, like, obviously Hammer is very uh, eccentric on the on the artifacts, too, and, like, they do have Lurith, so maybe it won't be too bad, but it doesn't feel great, just, like, gr- running it through my head. Yeah. But I'm going to
1: be the one Passage doing so it can't feel too bad. No. yeah for sure yeah, yeah, I'm sure bounce land. Too, when somebody
0: blows up yeah. the bounce land yeah. oh my gosh oh, that would be so brutal well how about we talk instead about Legacy and once again we can talk about the tournament as a whole uh, in a little bit but Mike I wanted to get your opinion or you know talk to you about uh, food Chain for a bit because you know, we've talked about a lot of decks over the you 70 know, something episodes we've had it but Fuchin Chain mm-hmm. is not a deck that we see very often especially because we look at you know, a lot of the past year and a half has been MTGO focused. Food Chain doesn't yeah. really show up on MTGO a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, can you tell us a little bit about the deck, and also why don't I see it on MTGO at all?
2: Yeah, so I mean, how how like basic should I start with? How many people know what a Food Chain does? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, not all of my opponents did. Let us assume we don't know. All right, so so Food Chain is a three mana green enchantment. It has an activated ability, which is, importantly, a mana ability. It lets you exile a creature you have in play to create X mana of any one color, where X is that creature's mana cost plus 1. And that mana can only be spent on other creatures. Uh, so in Avison Restored, there is a little mythic rare uh, named Mist Hollow Griffin, which is 2 and 2 blue for a 3-3 three, three flyer with the important text of, you may cast Miss a Griffin from exile. So what you get to do is if you have a food chain and a griffin, you can exile the griffin for five blue, cast it from exile for four blue, netting one blue. You do that as many times as you want. You can do it enough so that you go into other colors and you end up with infinite mana with the restriction that you can only spend it on creatures. So I started playing this deck in, I want to say 2014. Uh, I picked it up. It was my my second Legacy deck that I ever built, and at that time it was playing a bug build. You had Baleful Strix as your cantrip. You had Deathrite Shaman as your mana engine, and your finisher was Emmercool. And a lot of times you got to play like one Fierce Empath to go get your Emmercool, things like that. Uh, the deck's gone through a lot of changes since then. The most notable ones are. Other than playing every card that's been banned in the last eight <laughs> years, uh, I've played this deck with Deathrite Shaman, Dig Through Time, Oko. Uh, I didn't actually get to play with Ragavan. I don't know if I should have when I had the chance, but uh, probably could have been okay there too. Uh, but the, the big change was really Walking Ballista in um, Aether Revolt. That kind of changed the package from Emrakul, which you know is usually good enough to kill them, but is a dead card in your hand most of the time. Mm-hmm. Walking ballista, you can switch out your tutoring package from Fierce Unpath to Trinket Mage and open up some uh, some other options in there. Mm-hmm. And then infinite mana, walking ballista, you kill your opponent. So the list I played this past weekend uh, was Rug. In addition to Missile Griffins, I'm also playing a Squee the Immortal, which is essentially a three-mana missile Griffin. So that is one of the incentives for playing red. I also get to play some of the red removal spells, and I get to play Imperial Recruiter, which tutors for both Squee, because it's two power, and Walking Ballista as a finisher, and then a couple of bullets out of the sideboard. Hmm. So you're playing this combo package in what really equates to a mid-range deck. Uh, you get to present these really dorky creatures and just have a clock against other fair decks, uh, and you can get a lot of card advantage against the removal spells because you can keep getting Mist Hologriffin back from exile or if it gets into the graveyard, right now this version is playing a scavenging ooze and two Uros to put it from the graveyard back into exile. So you just keep getting it back. Uh, and then against, you know, other decks you have this combo plan.
0: The first time I played against this deck in paper and my opponent was like, oh I'm just gonna fourth you know pitch this uh Mist hologriff into fourth of all I was like, oh that's good. Oh wait, no that's not good for me. Okay. yeah
2: that's bad for you (laughs) the other uh the the banger from the past in this deck is manipulate fate which is a a two mana sorcery that lets you exile three cards of your choice out of your deck and then draw a card so you cast this you exile two griffins and a squee and you draw a card and it's really two mana draw four Mm -hmm. it's uh it's how you get ahead in a lot of those fair matchups it's
0: just completely insane when you resolve it one thing this is another one of those cards from this era there's a lot there's a lot of cards from like the invasion block the odyssey block where i read them like who needs this card but like manipulate fate is one of those cards that happened to come out in what like 1998 that ends up just being super relevant in the deck like this that's really cool yeah yeah um and i
2: mean food chain from masks as well like oh yeah that card did nothing until 2011 or whatever
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess the restored, right? Mhm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the big thing I've been seeing people talk about is, you know, the Y teamer, like the other version that I guess people have been playing around with, has been the bant version. Uh, yeah. Is that something you're you're interested in or is there a big reason why you would prefer to so... over bant right now?
2: I've played the Bant version before. Basically, what you're doing is you're switching the red recruiter package for the white recruiter package. So with red, you get the squee and the lightning bolts and some sideboard stuff. With white, uh, you can't get an exile creature, right, unless you're playing a, a squee that you can't otherwise cast. But you can get mostly the same bullet creatures. You get different removal in prismatic end and source to plow shares, uh, and one of the cool bullets you can play is um, aether sworn canonist, which is actually a really good hate card against food chain, but you can play it, you can tutor for it off of uh, your recruiter against those combo matchups where you're usually a little bit weaker, and if it's your turn to combo and you have the the canonist in play, you can start by exiling that, so it's really only a hate yeah. card against you, right? Yeah. You also get Rest in Peace in the sideboard, which is really helpful with the Griffins, uh, because now if your opponent is trying to bolt your Griffins and put them in the graveyard and strand them there, if you have a Rest in Peace out, they're just always available. That's really neat. I think both versions are totally viable. I went with Red this weekend because I think that just having Lightning Bolts available is really powerful in the current meta. I was expecting a lot of Delver. I ran into uh, two Delver decks in my, what? 10 rounds that I played mm. and Bolt performed really well. Bolt and Pyroblast. The main deck Pyroblast was uh, a bit of a meta call, but it came up in every single matchup. Even I, I played against a, a mono-white deck that had a blue companion. I'll talk about that later, but you know, I if I had drawn the Pyroblast, it's still relevant there. So I'm pretty happy with the list. There's a few things I would change going forward, and I'm sure there's gonna be some changes with the uh, Neon Dynasty. Good place to start. Okay,
1: I have to ask. Okay. You said you wanted bolts um because they're like you felt like the removal was good against Delver, but you also said when talking about the white builds, like you get to play Sword Splashers. So like why so,
2: Bolt gives you some extra versatility there. Uh so I played against Delver a couple times, it was cool. Right. I also played against a lot of the four color piles, which were playing three mana to and Narsa. Mm-hmm. So I aimed lightning Bolts at as many Planeswalkers as I did Creatures this past weekend, and I also actually had a couple just bolts to the face for lethal. Like, this deck can really, it's really only comboing, like, half of your games. Uh, the other half, you're just very slowly attacking in the air, and that little bit of extra reach
1: was really relevant. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um... Also, you cut down to two Mist Hollow Griffins. I you know, I remember back when I used to play this deck, it was like always four, and then sometimes it was three. What made you drop all the way to two? So I'm not honestly totally sold on this number.
2: This was based off of some list I saw online at some point. I think that as long as you have three things you can go look for with the manipulate fate, making the first one, you know, that powerful as the draw four you're fine they can be kind of awkward draws in the the very early game or like the middle of the game a lot of times if you draw them you want to brainstorm them away to go get them later so it is nice to have the the fourth exile creature in there to make sure your manipulate fate is that good and that's better if you're playing the the free or maybe four manipulate fates i just feel like i didn't really have room for it in this list i don't know if i would change that going forward it felt fine. It felt like I had enough gas against the Faradax to keep pushing.
0: If you don't mind, too, I want to ask about your sideboard. I just really yeah. like the selection of stuff you have here. The Collector Oof is a Stata caster. Magus of the Moon, Outland Liberator, Wreck Sage. You also have, you know, as far as creatures are concerned, which you mentioned before, kind of works really well with that Imperial Recruiter package. Yep. Uh, and then you also have... Carpet of Flowers, Ancient Grudge, Hydro Blast, late, another Lightning Bolt, another Pyro Blast, Red Elemental Blast, a Run of Foul, and a couple Surgical Extractions. Uh, was there any card from the sideboard that you feel really performed um, strongly for you over, over the uh, Sunday?
2: So this was my first time playing with Outland Liberator. I kind of last minute put it into the sideboard. Just I had a 15th slot open and I didn't know what to do with it. That card was insane. I only actually ordered it in a few matchups, and I think I only drew and cast it once. Mm. But I saw a lot of Torpor Orbs coming in this weekend, mm. and that just blanks Reclamation Sage. So mm-hmm. I don't know if people had those for me specifically. I presume I'm not. I don't think that they're thinking about my deck. But if they have a Torpor Orb and a Bridge, or if they have a Torpor Orb and you know whatever their combo pieces, rex Sage is dead. So since I'm spending the same amount of mana either way, this Outland Liberator was just that much more useful. Uh, the one time I did resolve it, I also got into the the day night fight with my opponent, where he really couldn't let me untap with the uh, the werewolf side because he had two or three artifacts in play and he was already down on cards, so it would have just like closed the game out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very I, impressed with that card.
1: I have to say, I played Outland Liberator in my sideboard this weekend too, and it mm-hmm. also <laughs> performed.
2: Yeah, it seems insane.
1: Yeah, it was. I don't know. I played against Enchantress. I played against curses i played against lands um and so you bring it in all three of those i played against sneak and Chow. i mean i brought it in it wasn't relevant there but it's just like every time I, I i uh cast it i was like
0: yep this is like the best card i could have here hmm. it's, it's one of those cards because this is the i don't say the issue right but recommendation sage night of autumn just the fact a lot of those decks really do, like you said, get tagged by Torpor Orb makes it yeah. so awkward that that's the thing that's supposed to save you from Torpor Orb. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So we, I kind of expect as as long as Torpor Orb is popular, um, especially you know playing Delver, I, I've been boarding anything for the past I don't know, three four months, uh, at least one copy. I, I think it's you're going to see an uptick in green white playing Quasali Pride Mage, but I think a little more broadly, yep. you get the, the Liberator, and I anything. I think the ability to turn it into a, mach- uh, a machine gun on the backside as a werewolf is so much better than exalted on Quasali Pride Mage.
2: Yeah, and I think the only time the you know the extra mana to activate comes up is if you're playing like a collected company deck, mm-hmm. and uh, even there, like it's so hard to argue against this card.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very impressed with it. Yeah. So in. The deck, right? You, I mean, you've been playing different variations of this deck uh, for a, a while, it seems. Well, what's your favorite card that you have played in Fuchin before that you're you're not playing anymore?
2: Oh man! So when I was still on the the bug, the the Sultai build, Hostage Taker was like a one of for a little bit, and that is the spiciest card I was playing. It was just like game winning every time. Uh, I remember like, it, it can hit artifacts. So like you had this main deck card that tagged all this random stuff. Uh, so I've, you know, taken an ensnaring bridge for my opponent and swung for lethal. I have exiled and then cast a Hogak before. You can uh, take an emercool off of a, a show and tell and, you know, eventually cast that maybe. It has this really cool interaction with food chain and how like the timing of spells work where to pay for the creature under Hostage Taker, if you have a food chain in play, you can also exile the Hostage Taker for that five mana. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: Uh,
2: it, it was just some wild interactions.
1: Um, Sounds like KCI all over
2: again. It, it was KCI all over again. <laughs> I I hope I get a chance to be playing a build that plays it again. Uh, if I ever try to get like super greedy with a four-color build that's on like white recruiter but also
1: black cards, I would fit that in somewhere. That was a blast. So, okay, so these questions are all aimed at you, but I've also yeah. played Food Chain. Oh, yeah. The card I miss is, um oh, my God, now I'm blanking on the name of it. The the green, it's like green, green Hydra. It was like- Oh, a- Genesis Hydra. Yeah. Yeah. a yeah.
2: card rules. uh Yeah, Genesis Hydra was like another kind of win-con you would do. I forget. Oh, it, it was because, uh so Genesis Hydra is green, green X, comes in with X counters, and has a cast trigger where you look at the top, x cards of your deck and you get to put one permanent into play that costs xls mm-hmm. so we played that as like a hedge against counter magic, right you could brainstorm a food chain to the top of your deck and then spend five mana on hydra and just go off
1: yeah that was back when counterbalance was really popular so yes it was yes. great because it was a way to resolve your spell but then also if you already had food chain in play it was a way to you know you could win
2: and it was a, a variable mana threat against
0: counterbalance. Hmm. Yeah. Card have a lot of rolls. Yeah, they're it not going to counter a seven, for example. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. That's very cool.
1: You flip over a cauldron complete, you know, the card that didn't exist yeah. yet. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: Carn liberated. Commandeer. Oh, my God, it'd be
0: so brutal. <laughs> All right, well, I do want. To, I have a couple other questions I want to ask you as yep. well, but let's actually just jump into your tournament. How how the rounds go? Would you play against?
2: Uh, yeah. So I actually wasn't planning on playing the main event uh, on the day of. Um, really? Yeah. So me and my wife are both going to come up, uh, play like one challenge each, and then get lunch at this uh, like Indian place we we heard about, and then go home uh but the but this
1: is very important to me it
2: I, I haven't been there yet i'm very excited for the next time i get to go to the valley forge casino and resort but yeah we we woke up and she didn't sleep well so she wasn't feeling it so she's like i'm gonna stay home and do some chores and go to the movies you go play magic so i drive there and i get in like 9 30 and i'm thinking i've come all this way i don't really want to play a three-round event and leave i'm just gonna sign up for the main event so i signed up for the main event and Round one, I get paired against Blue Red Delver, and my opponent, super nice guy, did not know what my deck did. Had to read all my cards. He was he was borrowing the deck from a friend, so we had a very long. It was like a 25 minute game one, and then I eventually comboed out and killed him. And then uh, post board, I think I just like resolved a carpet of flowers and just got way ahead on mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really didn't know how good my matchups were going to be going into this because I don't pay too much attention to the format. Uh, I only play in paper. I don't play online at all. So I'm really only playing when one of my local stores has a, a 1K or a 2K, which is hopefully once a month, but nowadays is a lot less than that. So I go in, play my Delver matchup. Feels great. I have Pyroblast for their Merc Tides. I have you know the pressure, the combo kill, and I, I went round one round two, I'm playing against the four color not black deck. Uh, so it's four color control pile playing Omnath. Similar situation. Uh, it's this very, like, grindy mid-rangey control deck, and that's just what I'm hoping for today. I can answer one Uro or, like, one Teferi, and that's all I need to do. I get to threaten this food chain combo the entire time. I'm attacking in the air with an ice fang quaddle or two and just like slowly ping down the life total. And it'll get to a point where, you know, I have two food chains in hand or something and I play the first one and he forces and I force back and I play the second one and he dies. Uh, and my both my games kind of went like that. Uh, round three, my opponent pr- uh, was playing a mono white deck and presented a companion. It was not Yorian, it was Garuda. Uh, oh, he was on Bomberman. He played in game one a card I had never seen before. It was it wasn't Mishra's bobble, it wasn't Urza's bobble, it was a third bobble that uh cost zero to play, activated for one mana, and targeted a player to do some nonsense, but also draw a card in the next upkeep. So he comboed off pretty quickly game one and made me draw infinite cards in my upkeep, and I died. Game two, I just hit like super early combo so i think i i think i had the turn three kill against him it might have been turn four and then game three he landed two ingenious smiths and got them up to like three or four counters and was really pressuring my life total i had to bounce one with a brazen borrower which felt terrible and i'm like making poor chump blocks and i need just a few more turns to find the last piece of the combo to put together he's empty-handed he puts Garuda into his hand uh, after like cracking two LEDs, casts the Garuda, completely whiffs off both of our decks, and then the next turn is it, casts it again, whiffs again. Wow! And then the following turn I I draw into the combo and I kill him, uh, and that was the point where I was like, this is the most likely I'm ever gonna get at a tournament, but this might just be like my day. So I'm three zero. Uh, round four I play against Delver again this person does know what my deck does but I still just cruise through the matchup the only play I remember was he had he had Delirium he had two channelers he attacks with both and I get to resolve a endurance and take away Delirium and block a channeler and take one point of damage Uh, and that just swung the game entirely in my favor so takes me to 4-0 Ground five, I play against Jeskai Control, which, again, is just, these are the matchups I want. He's playing Teferi and Narset. Uh, he's playing Hull Breachers, which I forgot was a card before the tournament, so I did brainstorm into a Hull Breacher. Not on the board Hull Breacher, but just, like, brainstormed into the three open mana yeah, uh, and felt real bad, but the matchup's still very positive for me, I guess, to just keep threatening them. They're just playing these dorky little planeswalkers that i can lightning bolt down i get to have this clock in the air their threats aren't very big unless they draw the the shark typhoon and i have a lot of ways to answer that so i beat Jessica control round six i get featured on mebo's stream they were doing coverage for the event, or rogue coverage whatever whatever we're calling it nowadays yeah, gorilla and i yeah gr- gorilla coverage yeah uh, I'm playing against Brian Koval. Uh, he is on a four-color pile. This one isn't red; it's uh, the the other four colors. Mm-hmm. Game one, I get a bit of a slow start, and he he hits me with a Witherbloom command to like kill my one one and pick up a land out of his graveyard, and uh, yeah. that was just like. I knew that it was going to be a tough matchup when he did that because it was a card I was not ready for and it was just like such a, a sick card against me too. Mm. And he, he got an Uro down pretty quickly. made some attacks and I just conceded game one after, I don't know, I had like one or two cards in hand. I needed like two more combo pieces. I'm facing down an Uro. He has a full grip, so I know nothing's going to resolve. So I concede. Game two uh, is a little bit of back and forth. I land a food chain pretty early, but I can't do anything with it. And he hits it with a prismatic end. I eventually find another one. and I still need some time to do things with it. I get to cast a magus of the Moon against him, which he has to counter, which kind of opens me up to just like, I think I just played a big walking ballista against him. And just, I had been hitting him a little bit the whole game. I played like a 3-3 walking ballista, started attacking with that, and that adds up to lethal really quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Game three, I heard him talking about it on um, Anurag's stream. He uh, was a coward, and he fetched for his basic island really early to uh, not get Magus of the Mm Moon, and then just couldn't find all his colors. He had a really uh, greedy deck, and he had already spent one fetch on a basic island, so he had like island, trop, trop. And by the time he found another color, he was just dead to, a, again, a big ballista. I think that game, I, I hit like a turn one or turn two Carpet of Flowers, and all of his lands were islands. So I like, uh, the, the game ended because I, I Carpet of Flowers for five with like three more mana, played a 4-4 four, four ballista. He untapped and he had swords for it, swords or prismatic end. So I threw the counters at him. And then he enduranced my Graveyard away because I also had an arrow in the Graveyard. And then the next turn I top-decked another Ballista. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and that just really shut the door. So, beat Brian Koval. Uh, the next round I played against uh, another Just-Guy Control. This was much more blue-white, much less red. He was on the uh, the Day's Undoing plan with Hall mm-hmm. But I had seen him while I was just like wandering around previous uh couple of rounds in the tournament i had seen him do that to someone else and like i recognized the the player when he sat down across from me i'm like i know this guy's plan i'm not going to fall for it so i was just like really cautiously playing around that the whole time making sure i had my my bolt or my pyroblast blast up whenever i was going to need it make sure he couldn't uh stick a to on the battlefield and again it's just that's the matchup i'm looking for and i i won fairly easily so seven and no at that point, I'm pretty sure I can double draw in. So I go find Mapson, whose wife is uh, bringing some people food. So I make sure I get a food order in so that I can eat. Food arrives and I go, uh, I take like two bites of my burger, sit down for round eight. Uh, my opponent is talking to his buddy who says he's like done the math on the breakers and everything and we have to play it and I'm not sure that he's right, but my opponent is sure that he's right. So we play it out, uh, opponents on the eight cast deck, and I get really lucky in game one. Uh, I'm facing down a pile of Thopter tokens, and I have like, I think I have free lands, and I have a food chain in my hand, and like an endurance, and a brainstorm, and no creatures in play. So what I have to do is I'm brainstorming, on the end of his turn, I have to hit a finisher in the form of Ballista or Recruiter, and a green card to pitch to Endurance, so that I can cast Food's Chain, evoke Endurance, exile it for blue. I had a griffin in exile already, so I have the mana combo there, and then I need to finish it that turn. Uh, And I hit everything I need off the brainstorm. I also need opponent to not have any counter magic, and he didn't. So super lucky. Pull game one out. And then in game two. Sounds like skill. It, it, no sorry. Luck. All Absolutely. skill. Planned it out. Uh in game two, I mulling it to five, he mulligan to four. Wow. He goes, uh turn one chalice on one. My hand is like brainstorm, brainstorm, bursts of paradise, quaddle. Uh so and I don't know, a land, I guess. Yeah. So I hit second land. I cast my Coatl. I'm sitting with all these Brainstorms and things. And we're just, like, back and forth doing nothing. I'm hitting for one of the air every turn. Uh, and I eventually hit the Outland Liberator. And at that point, I get to land that. And we get to play this back and forth of, like, I'm going to cast no spells. He has to cast two. And he had Mulligan to five, so it was really hard for him to do that. So eventually, he, like, he found something that I had to answer. I forget exactly what it was, but I crack the Liberator, blow up the Chalice, and I'm like, Brainstorm Fetch, Brainstorm Fetch, build a perfect hand, and just kill him the next turn. So at that point, I'm 8-0. I get to eat my burger. I draw into top 8.
0: Nice.
2: So, undefeated run. I was just, like, getting lucky all day. Uh, Yeah, it felt good. I've never done that well in a tournament before. I guess, uh, top 8. So I'm first seed, going in. And my first opponent is... Uh, the Days Undoing player who I had already beaten, and I remember after a match, we had talked about um, sideboarding and, you know, what he should be doing. He had brought in Pyroclasms against me, which I don't think was a good choice, and then the top eight, of course, was Open Deckless, so I got to, like, look at his sideboard to try to predict, okay, you know, he's learned more about the matchup, what's he going to do, and his sideboard had no good choices. So uh, Hmm. I again won that match fairly easily. Uh, I think at one point he he made a, a big shark token and I had a pyroblast for it or something. Uh yeah, it, it it was you know it was well played by him, but it was a rough matchup. So I'm on to the semis. Uh I wait about a half hour while I watch a depths player and a, a painter player just like sit across from each other playing draw go while one has a bridge and a torque orb and the other has a collector oof and a 2020. uh, I just got
1: to say, that's so beautiful. Literally my two favorite
2: legacy decks that have ever been. It was very cool that both those decks top aided and I'm very happy for them. Uh, But I, I did want to play magic and not sit there and watch them. But (laughs) that aside, uh, the depths player eventually wins that, uh, and he's going to be my opponent we let's see in game one i oh i i just draw my brazen borrower naturally so i get to bounce his first uh his first merit lodge and then combo off like the next turn and then in game two he he made a play that i thought was a little aggressive but i'm sure it was the right play at the time uh He was able to do, like, uh, crack depths and then go get a Sejiri step, but I had mana up, uh, two mana up, so I was trying to, you know, represent the Brazen Borrower, but I also had uh, some green blockers. So he just, like, made his Merit Lodge, and the next turn aggressively went for the proactive Sejiri step to finish the game, which would have, you know, been stopped if I had the Brazen Borrower, but I didn't. I was bluffing. So he got in. Uh, and then game three. Game three was tough. He mulliganed to five, and I kept a hand with like two bolts and uh, a quadle and some other stuff. And my plan was basically to like bolt the first two things he did and then just try to either combo off or, you know, get to 21 life, get ahead somehow, right? So I, I bolt his turn one Dryad Arbor and I bolt his turn two. Uh, reclaimer and then he still eventually gets to a board state with uh two reclaimers and like three lands and i make the mistake of casting a magus into these reclaimers so i cast my magus of the moon he has a basic planes already so he says okay he sacrifices one of his lands to go get the depths under the magus so it comes in with no counters and then he has swords to plowshares for my magus Depths goes away, he gets his 2020. And I have I have the brazen borrower available uh on my next turn. So I'm trying to like map out what my line needs to be. And I have some blockers in play. Uh so I, I have an endurance and a quadle. So like he'll have to give Pro Green to get through the endurance. Uh, and if he does that, then I have the brazen borrower to bounce. And again, this was the top eight, so it was open deck lifts. And I should have known that he had access to two Sajiri steps, but I just assumed that he only had the one. Uh, so he goes to Sajiri step on green, I brazen borrower in response, he Sajiri steps on blue, and he gets in for the kill. Uh, so I like thought about that play a lot uh, after I got knocked out, and I think that knowing what I know now, I was supposed to, on my turn, just bounce one of the uh, reclaimers so he couldn't you know, double fetch a step and you'd have to pick a protection color and I would have either the mono green blocker in endurance or the mono blue blocker in borrower and to try to buy myself another turn because I was like two thirds of the way to a uh, comboing off. So it wasn't guaranteed, but it was a, a better line that I found. But again, really well played by my opponent. He went on to win the whole thing uh, and I
1: left with my third place. For anybody who's curious uh, about the winner, we actually are going to have him on next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, though, back to back to this with playing playing around the second to step. It's so interesting to me that like how often people run into the second one. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you said you had information about it, but honestly, the second to step is just stock. And like, I still don't think people actually realize that. Like the number well, of I had no idea. Yeah. games because people just don't know that it's there. And it's funny, I was actually um I was like um in Jarvis used like Twitch chat yesterday and he was talking about green white and he was saying if he were to build the deck he would go down to one Sigiri step. And I was like, No, <laughs> the second sujiri step's like really good. And he's like, I don't know, like I would just play the second Solid Safekeeper. And I was like, Solid Safekeeper is honestly pretty bad most of the time. And yeah. I was like, This the Sejiri step has won me like an insane number of games and matches. And it was weird because he was like is it okay to just disagree and i was like i mean yeah we we, we can disagree but also like it it's just a fact that it has won me <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you can disagree on like i mean I mean, like i guess you could say oh you could have won it without this but like i don't know Card has won me a lot of games
2: yeah it was a. Uh, I i was not ready for it uh because even in like in game one he had the safe keeper before he went for the merit lodge and i was like okay well if he goes for this you know proactive sujiri step and i bounce it and then he has to safe keeper in response then it also counters the sujiri step and i still get to block right hmm. but yeah the the second step just completely blew me out uh
0: what yeah. was what would you think your coolest play on the uh, in the tournament was then uh, conceding to brian Koval, uh
2: <laughs> honestly like i don't think i made any like really ridiculous or cool plays i didn't have any insane sideboard spice like i got to play magus once or twice i i boarded in the static i think once i never drew it really the the plays i'm most proud of are when i feel like it's time to switch off of like if you have a Ballista in hand, switch off of hoping you draw whatever the rest of the combo is, versus just slamming a Ballista and just like making your clock that much faster. Uh, and I had to make that play quite a few times, especially against the the controlling decks, where just making, honestly, even a 2-2 Ballista makes a huge difference because you're threatening more counters, you're threatening the big attacker with the, the extra burn on the end, uh, whereas if I just wait for a combo these decks that are playing, you know, three times as many cantrips as I am are going to find their ways out of it faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, knowing when to do that and winning those games where you go for it just feels so good.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the biggest thing when you're looking at, you know, i, I play played a lot of, de- well, played a lot of Devoted Druid in Modern for a very mm-hmm. long time and that was one of the big things too, like Walking List is such a powerful card, you know, obviously in those combo decks where you can make infinite mana, but just in general. Um, and yeah. you, you really do... There's, there are some games but you can slam that super early and your opponent does not have removal, and if they do, it's not good removal. So a card like that can definitely take over a game. And that's, I think, the, the big difference with people playing creature combo decks is, you know... And you see this a lot with Elves, right? Like, Elves, yes, I can make a hoof Behemoth on turn two and kill you with a, you know, giant... Hoof and you know, a, a nettle set and something like that, but I can also just like kill you with the elvish druid and um, a wirewood symbiote over four turns, just attacking for yeah. two, and that's really the difference. Like, can I actually just switch gears and grind you out, or you know, do I have to go for the combo?
2: Yeah, and this deck is a really good example of that. There's like I said, it, it's really only half your games that you're comboing off, and the other half you're attacking with three three flyers for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And that that's good enough sometimes.
0: Absolutely. Is there anything you would say? And I don't I don't want to belittle your your deck, obviously. But, <laughs> uh, I, food chain is not a a tier one deck. I think if we're looking sure. at the meta game right now, I think like blasphemy. Blue, <laughs> I think blue red delver, um, green white depth, um, very much top of the meta game. You see four color mm-hmm. control Daybreacher, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. Um, in that you know, F tier number one tier whatever you want to call it is there something you feel like that could get printed into food chain that would that would help the deck become more uh, prevalent or are there other things that are just limiting how popular food chain can be so the the meme
2: answer here is to unban death red shaman uh because that was just like such a powerhouse of the, the good old days where it was the mana acceleration, and it was the clock, and it was, uh, you know, that little bit of life gain, and it like re-exiled your griffins for you, did all the stuff. But I, I think really where this deck can get more power is if they print more cards, more different cards that have the, the griffin text, the cast from exile. Mm-hmm. Like, if they ever put that on a two drop, that would be insane if they put it on a creature that is more than one color, like if if Miss Hollow Griffin was a blue-green creature and you could pitch it not only to Force of Will, but to Force of Negation and Endurance and Subtlety and Force of the the Green One figure, right? Mm -hmm. All that stuff, I think that would be huge. Uh, Or if there was like a, I don't know, a a Carnage Tyrant, but you could cast it from Exile, right? Like a big Mm -hmm. finisher, something like that. I think more versatility in that as opposed to playing this kind of dorky 3-3 flyer or this 2-1 creature that gets bounced by Caracas or a oh. Eternal Scourge, which was uh, kind of played in between there and is played in some of the, the not-rug versions, which is just essentially a vanilla 3-3, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I think if you had more things to get with your Manipulated Fate, more ways to combo with the food chain, that would really bump up the power level in a surprising way.
0: I see that, yeah, I that's definitely a bit of text that's hard to put onto a creature. Yeah. I mean, like just from a, from a flavor design perspective, right. It's just like, I think Miss Holographin is just really interesting. The idea that it is some kind of in the, you know, the flavor text thing says it perfectly, right. For, for some creatures existing is only uh, on a, it's on a whim. This idea of having a creature like that. I, I think it's a, I really do think it's like a blue color pie situation. And I think, if we, the Immortal is, you know, unique. yeah, you
2: get the the Vorthos flavor there of like, how do we really represent immortality? But mm-hmm. I think if you're going for like, you know, a threat that will never die or something, that's definitely something you could fit into green or honestly black. Mm-hmm. If there was a if there was a black creature that you could play from Exile, I would 100 sleeve up, uh, like, you know, bug or even green black food chain and play uh the the black force from. Uh, Modern Horizons, which I think is like horrendous, horrendously, horrendously mm-hmm. underrepresented. Yeah. that card rules if only there was a good reason to pitch black cards to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, new colors or just different parts of the curve or whatever.
1: Yeah, dude, how mad a- would you be if you're on L's and you like glimpse off, and your opponent's just like sitting there, and like finally you turn Crater House sideways and you're like, cake. 500 damage and your opponent's just like no. force of despair
2: but like even in like in the matchups I played against like I played against the the Acast guy and he you know plays a, a Psy Master Thopterus and then makes like three Thopter tokens in the same turn if I get to be like okay I'm gonna spend really just one card to negate that for no mana sorry mm-hmm. like that would be insane yeah
0: I mean even like could you imagine like you know your opponent goes and Castic Birth of Federation and like, oh cool. Here's a Merktide, it's a seven seven, and a Delver. Go, and you're like, nah. Mm-hmm. No,
2: no, none of that.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I'd be so mad. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, so that that's my dream for this deck is just uh
0: more cards that I can cast from exile. Theoretically, maps and I also played in the tournament. Mapton, is there anything you want to say about your <laughs> tournament? Um Yeah, sure. Um Round two,
1: if anyone's interested, uh, we kind of mentioned Mebo's coverage. Um, they had me on round two. I'll be honest, it's uh, not the most exciting match. But if you just want to, you know, see me in action, you can watch it. Um, round three, I actually did have a super sick match. I played against Dark Bant, which is, you know, you can think about, like, the deck Brian Koval plays. It was not Brian kowal but it was his list. And that match was that match was really good. I haven't gotten the chance to watch all of like the gorilla coverage yet. I believe Mebo had it on for at least part of the round, not the whole thing. But nineties MTG is gonna have it on their YouTube channel. I think they're putting their stuff up tomorrow, mm-hmm. which means if you're listening to this that it's probably live. Um yeah, but Chris Benucci, hopefully I said his last name right, uh was there and he was um he was recording matches and i know he's he's put up a teaser and the teaser like the f- footage is crisp it is very sharp i don't i don't know if you guys have seen the, the promo for it yet it looked really good yeah uh but yeah round three i was on that and that match was like actually very very good i'm not sure if everyone would agree because i'll be honest there's a couple turns where like my opponent and i are kind of just staring at each other but i think things were really tense like there's definitely interesting decisions i mean there's probably things we both could have done better but it, it felt really good my round five was also on 90s mtg i played against enchantress and i have to say it was annoying because it kind of made me want to build enchantress and i'm like don't don't do this to me. Stop <laughs> making this deck look so sweet. And then I was like, you know what? It can't be that much, right? So I like pulled it up on MTG Goldfish, and it's like actually not unreasonable, except for the fact that you have to buy two Sarah Sanctums, which you know, compared Only to like or something, are cheap. But yeah. like, I'm never going to use that in anything else. You mm-hmm. <laughs> know, I don't really need to buy Sarah Sanctum so I can play like a deck at F and M. You know, but I want to.
2: Is that that yeah. going to get like super buffed from the new set? Uh, I don't know. Was what was in the set for it? So I, I know nothing about enchantress, so I'm not qualified to talk about this. But there is that one like, uh, it's like a goblin electromancer, but it's green white, and it makes enchantments cheaper, and it has like a uh, link or something. I don't know if that's important. But
1: that's cool. No, nah, probably not. Right. But, like the thing with a lot of them is like they cost like a single green mana or a sure, single sure. white mana. Yeah. Um. the cur- the current build is really sick, actually. So it's kind of like I I don't want to call it the current build because I don't I don't know if there's a stock one, but like you know I I had seen the version of my opponents on before. Spatula, the Aegis had played it online, and um, it was really like a Naya build. Was, I mean, it was more heavily a green white, but just kind of splashing red, and it's like halfway between old Enchantress and lands. Like they actually dropped Enchantress's presence. They they don't have any three. Or the three drop of choice was phallic exploration, and they also have normal exploration. So you have that like lands engine of just like being able to like chain through stuff, but then you also have, um, ergothian enchantress to help you chain through things even faster. But they had like life from the loam and a couple of wastelands and Sarah Sanctum and Caracas, but then they still had the normal like utopia sprawl and, um, on thin ices and. Yeah, I mean, it was just <laughs> really cool. Uh Spoiler alert, I lost very handily, but I played it out for a, a bit after I was dead. I mean, technically I still could get out, but like I, I really just sat there and let my opponent keep beating up on me for the sake of the camera. So it's round five if you just want to watch me lose horrendously. But I mean, their deck was cool, right? So like I wanted to let it get featured.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's it deck- out of view. That's the deck you see, uh, I know there's somebody from the, the Legacy Pit that plays that deck fairly often. Um, I don't want to say, it was, I think it's Sendinger, but... It, that is a deck I, I don't see personally, like, locally. It doesn't pop up very often, so it is cool to see it get a little airtime. Uh, my <laughs> my day did not go particularly well, either. I, I did play an interesting match, and I, I want to hear your opinion on this. My opponent opens on Polluted Delta... Fetches for a underground sea, and cast brainstorm at a turn, at the end of their turn before they get the turn back. They untap, ponder, keep their top uh, top cards, play lotus petal, and pass back. Don't play a, a land. I wasteland them, and they cast no more spells for the rest of the game. What do you think they're playing?
1: Ant. I think it's Doomsday.
0: Nah, turn one brainstorm,
1: uh, I think signifies ant more than it signifies Doomsday. Doomsday is more common than ant, so like I don't know, I kind of get saying Doomsday, but like I I think it's Ant. But I also partially feel like you're posing this question because neither of this is correct.
0: Yeah, they're both wrong um <laughs> but i so go but going blind right i have no idea how to sideboard so i i thought it was it'd be reanimator it 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 could be reanimator but like i feel like they're not but like it makes sense right like all three of those make sense it, it needs to be some kind of combo deck i think but and, and like they didn't have a land for a couple turns right but they eventually did draw um like Fetch for like a basic island, but they didn't, or they drew a basic island, but they didn't cast any more spells. I think they just kind of said, I'm not going to cast anything. We're just going to let this game end. Right. So I'm sideboarding and I'm like, I I think they're on doomsday. So I'm going to board in my, uh, my torpor orb. I'm going to board in. Loose. (laughs) Well, I
1: like, I just don't think with that amount of information, I mean, I guess calling it loose is aggressive, but I just, I think, because in my head, they're definitely on Ant. Like, I wouldn't bring it in. Like, I, I feel like I would look at it and go, there's too much chance that this isn't useful.
0: Well, uh, that's, that's true, right? But I'm, I'm playing a Brainstorm deck. If I draw the one card, I can always Brainstorm it away. And I if I don't have it in the deck, I'm going to be really upset. So Sure. I also feel like the Doomsday matchup is almost a buy. And you
1: have a game three. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm willing to lose the percentage points for the sake of making myself better against everything else but sure. anyways go
0: on so i also board in just to kind of hedge my bets here i also board in uh two surgicals and i board in uh force of negation 100 yeah more right. board with those so they they uh play we continue to play in the game they they play the brainstorm they play the ponder they play the lotus petal um, and then they cast with their blue apprentice Ah, did not see this coming. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. So I'm like, okay, well, this this changes some things. And I, I force of will it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess now we have a plan. Um, and I end up casting a dragon and end up winning the game in a couple turns. So it's not a big deal. And I'm like, I did not think you were on Weatherbloom Apprentice combo. The response, oh, I'm, that's not that's not the deck I'm on. Wait, oh, so- <laughs> they're on Phoenix. Not on Phoenix. What? They're <laughs> they on <laughs> Tin Fins. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So they're on yeah. Tin Fins, and they they board into the Witherbloom Apprentice combo for game two as a juke. And I'm like, well, I didn't know you were on Tin Fins. You're just going to play <laughs> Tin and just gotten me. I didn't I didn't expect that. He's like, oh, yeah. I mean, sure. I'm like, okay. I, but I was like, really confused. I said to him, too, I was like, I have no idea what you're playing. And he's like, yeah. That's, a, that's why I conceded. I was like, okay. Um, so... Yeah, that was, that was definitely, like, in terms of just interactions, that was my favorite thing. Um, the other thing that I thought was really neat, uh, I ended up playing against a Doomsday player in round two, actually, and in game three, I'm, like, looking at my hand, and it's pretty good. It's, like, days, I've got Force of Will and a Brainstorm, so I can pitch that. I've got a DRC, so I've got a little bit of pressure. I've got a Wasteland. I've got a uh, Volk. It's like, okay, this hand, this hand's very decent. I'm very happy here. Bonus in the play. Mulligan to six. Mulligan to five. Look at it for a little bit. They fiddle with the cards. I'll keep. All right, cool. Um, they go Tarn, Fetcher Underground Sea, play Lotus Petal, play Dark Ritual, and cast Doomsday. I'm like, that is an insane five card hand. Um, but <laughs> sorry, thanks for playing. I have a force of will. And they go days. Okay. You got it. Got it, Chief. They end up I think they, they made a pile that was too conservative. I think if they had just gone like quote unquote gone for it, like they could have just been, like gone cycler, 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 play my land, play a cavern and Kill you with Thassa's Oracle, and they went for a slower pile, to try to build up resources, um, and it ended up winning a, a pretty quick, pretty quick game. They ended up having to or couldn't they couldn't beat my days. I ended up drawing a, a days and a Fourth of Will. They um, had the counter spell for the Fourth of Will, but not for the for the days that I had um, sent to my opener. And I, I asked them after the game, and they're like, "No, nah, you definitely could have just killed you with a quick pile." I was like, "Okay, so we." You know, and that that was kind of like the thing too. Was like, I definitely won round one and round two, but I also feel like round one was kind of like my opponent just did not have uh, great hands, and then my doomsday opponent I think should have beaten me round two. So uh, the day did not get much better from there. Uh, just a bunch of losses and not really even interesting matches. Just like just kind of kind of rough overall. Uh, I got I got breached. I got crushed by Merit Lages and ran over by Uros and all that fun stuff, Though, so. yeah. yeah, I don't feel like my games were particularly interesting either. I will say, I, I took a
1: loss to Sneak and Show, and it was just, like, how brutal it was was, like, kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, I actually had very good hands in that match. Uh, so, like, I made a Merit lage on turn three in the first game. It's like, okay, like, you know, we might just race them, and then my opponent was like, turn three, kill you, and it's like yeah, okay. I mean, that's, like, how this matchup goes sometimes. Like, it is, like, what it is. Um And then in game two, I had turn two choke on the play. You know, I tapped on their Vulk. I'm like, yeah, this is solid. And then, like, they played, I think, an Ancient Tomb and pass. I'm like, okay. And I have a turn three age again. And then they killed me again. <laughs> oh, <God>. so, okay. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> it was just, like, you know my hands were good <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah I don't know sometimes it's just a rough matchup
0: like I did what I, yeah did what I came to do yeah and like honestly besides even all that terrible stuff aside right like it was really nice to be playing magic with people and seeing people I haven't seen in like months or years like that was like I don't think I've ever been this happy losing at a magic tournament Um <laughs> And I, I'm, hopefully you guys felt the same way too well i mean mike won so i well, <laughs> well i i have
2: never felt so happy at the the loss that i did take because of i got to go home <laughs> <laughs> it was like 11 p.m i had to get up at four thirty the next day for work Oh god! somehow yeah I, I i made it i guess but uh mm-hmm. yeah I, I didn't want to play another round
1: yeah no that's uh it's fair. these days were long and like i know they ran into some issues right like they haven't been running tournaments for a while but there was like oh there was a point where i was like man i really just hope i stop having fun so that i don't feel guilty just like leaving mm-hmm. um, <laughs> unfortunately for me i had fun the whole weekend so like darn it um yeah but i definitely seeing seeing friends was awesome you know like i haven't seen you in forever mike like you uh yeah. invited me over because you had um housewarming party but i did and you didn't show uh, it i don't remember where i was was in north carolina yeah you had a good reason would have been difficult but yeah there was like a lot of a lot of friends i haven't seen in a while and some of them like it had been a while since i'd seen them even before the pandemic started so just seeing people was really awesome like uh my old lgs well i don't really want to call it my lgs because it was in philadelphia but and I don't live in Philly, never have, but like the crew I used to hang out with all the time, a bunch of them were there. So it was like nice and reminiscing on people we hadn't seen in a while. I've got a friend Roy who like hasn't touched Legacy in a long time. I basically bullied him (laughs) into, uh, into buying whatever he was missing from the current builds of Maverick and got him to play. And like, that was really fun. And he had a blast, which made me feel good after I like, basically peer pressured him into spending like $300 on cards.
2: <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine, uh, like just moves to Philly proper. So I, I haven't seen him in like quite a while, actually. Uh, and I messaged him. And I was like, hey, are you going to the, the, the SCG? And I don't think he's played Paper Magic since the, the beginning of the pandemic. And he showed up just to like be a cheering section for, for me and some of his other friends and apparently just like being in the, the the venue for two hours or whatever just got that itch back so now uh he just told me that he's on a team for scg indy and he's gonna go play death and taxes for them
0: awesome Which nice
2: sick
1: yeah yeah i like i don't know people's you always hear these stories about people who like say they're quitting magic and then they like come back like a year later i mean like, yeah
2: you can't quit magic
1: yeah, like, my friend Roy, he, like, I, I mean, I know he's still been playing some EDH, but, like, he really came because he wanted to take photos of things. Like, he's gotten into photography over the pandemic. He came in, and I was like, are you playing Legacy? And he's like, no. And I was like, you should play Legacy. He's like, <laughs> I haven't played in years. I was like, you should play Legacy. He's like, dude, I don't even know what the format looks like. I don't know what I would play. I was like, you should play Maverick. You used to play Maverick, right? Like, <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I don't, is, is Maverick playable? I was like, I don't know. Dukes is like thirteen and two with his current list. Shout out to Dukes. Mm. <laughs> um, Bane Slayer. Like, I was like, you should just play that. He <laughs> was like, send me send me the list. He's like, I'm only missing this many cards. He's like, I'll buy
0: them. And then he came back. He's like,
1: what? Why didn't you tell me they were so expensive? He's like, I don't know, man. But now you have <laughs> them, so now you have to
0: play. <laughs> we did? Did he play the list with Bane Slayer Angel? Uh, no, no. Oh, man. So, I I don't know if it's good or not.
1: So, he, I sent him two lists, and I was like, like, you could play this one that he's got the 13-2 and record with, and that would probably be the smart decision, or you could play this one with the Baneslayer Angel. It might not be the smartest choice, but I would think you are a cooler person. Um, Hmm. So, I was like, I'm going to leave it up to you if you want to make your money back or not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, I don't know. The Baneslayer Angel actually is really sweet. The fact that it has pro Merktide is, like, dope oh my uh, god that's sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so i really hope it is good i like I, I don't know it seems sweet enough that i'm not willing to call it bad but i just like am not convinced it's good yet but i,
0: I hope it is i mean i i th- watched a fight fido, fido uh five oh 0 with the league i can't talk today jeez <laughs> he went 5 in a league with bane Slayer angel and i was watching the match and i was just like like, watching the match to kind of develop, and I was like, yep, back and forth, back and forth. He's just going to play a 5-5 five, and five, gain li- 5 life every turn, isn't he? Yep. Yep, game's <laughs> over. <laughs> it's like... Okay, I haven't seen the league yet, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome, because it really is just like, just, like, this tight-fought exchange of resources and activating my knight here and there, and then he's just like, oh, here's a 5-5. Five, five. Get got. And it's like, oh, I okay, can't. It's impossible to kill. Got it. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, we're running a little long, so I don't want to. I don't want to hold up too much longer. But Mike, I want to give you a chance. I watched you play Food Chain. This is the coolest enchantment I've ever seen in my life. I've got my Miss Hollow Griffins in the mail. They're on the way. Is there any advice you would give to a someone who wants to pick up the deck or someone who um, is playing the deck for the first time? All right. So now that you've spent two
2: dollars on your foil Miss Hollow Griffins. <laughs> uh um honestly just like look around at the different versions there's a lot of stuff you can do with this deck uh i was just like mapping out some some lists uh at work because i was bored uh and you can go with this rug build you can go with the band and i you know talk about that package you can play pure uh blue green and just go like super cantrip heavy play uh the ponders maybe play some more mana dorks you can play a food chain goblins that's a sweet one because you can uh Goblins has a couple of one-mana accelerators uh, with the the new Ignoble Hierarch, right? Mm-hmm. You can play a turn two food chain off of that or off of um, uh, a, a soul Prospector. land. Yeah. And then you can evoke a fury, exile for six mana and play Muxus on turn two. Ooh. Yeah. So that, that's on my short list of stuff to try. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. I, I've seen people play this deck as like... Uh, mono green eldrazi with serum powders and just like try to jam eternal scourges into the exile zone and food chain their opponents
1: okay i don't really like to to talk down about people's decks but that one sounds kind of bad oh
2: i'm sure it is half <laughs> of these decks are terrible but all of them are fun so just look around look at the options look at past lists you can really do so much with this archetype the core is griffins food chains manipulate fates and like the finisher of your choice you know <laughs> It's relatively inexpensive for a legacy deck, I'll say, because you get to be very heavy on the basics if you're on the quadle plan. I was only
1: playing four dual lands. Um, I actually looked up your uh, your list, how much it would cost on MTG Goldfish. It is uh, not as cheap as you might think, actually.
2: Oh, uh, don't worry about it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah it's three blue duels so i'm sure that's most of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it was it was like four grand i think okay so it's three thousand nine hundred and eighteen dollars <laughs> right. of course like mtg goldfish i think is accounting for the fact that you're buying everything like your men it's also accounting yeah. for like, people not owning anything um you know i i assume people could play without one of the traps if they really wanted to and that's mm-hmm. gonna save them seven hundred dollars
2: yeah, you can play a Breeding Pool if you want. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just, just look around. There's a lot of innovation that, that changes all the time. I know there's a, a Discord out there uh, where people talk about all sorts of different lists. Yeah, but it's fun. Give it a shot
0: and have fun. Awesome. Oh, Mike, thank you for uh, being on the show. Uh, Great to have you on. Like, I was really excited when Mapson told me that you were going to be on this week. So uh, th- thank you for coming on and giving us your expertise. And obviously, congrats on um, the, the finish. That's really amazing.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, I was really happy to be able to hop on the show. I remember um when, when I listened to episode one, I was like, man, if I ever want to, like, hang out with Mapson on this podcast, I have to do well at a tournament. And that's, like, <laughs> not my style. So... I guess in in a couple of months after I you know top eight a modern ten k with Battle of Wits, you can have me back on. But uh, until then, this has been a lot of fun. I love talking about Magic.
0: Yeah, we'll go talking with talking about Magic with you. Do you have a, a Twitter or anything like that? By the way, uh, Mike. That yeah,
2: I- you can find me at uh, at osmadi forty two on Twitter. You can technically find me on Twitch at Angry Jellyfish Games. Uh, i usually stream one vintage cube draft every time they put vintage
1: cube up and don't do anything else I'm so excited for the for the updates it things. looks so sweet i like oh my god they added lands as an archetype I'm just like so excited Carmen even tweeted uh they tweeted like i was thinking as I was building this this is for people whose Twitter handle is expedition maps like, <laughs> yes, yes it is what what is the most powerful card? you
2: will pass in a pack to uh, first pick a dark depths?
1: Like, pass Um, power? No, I would still take any piece of power, and it would make me upset. Um, Up people? Yeah, probably. Depending on my mood when I go in, right, like, am I I trying to win or am I trying to have fun? Mm I definitely pick the dark depths if I'm just trying to have fun. Actually, my first draft, my first draft of the whatever, I don't even know when it's going live next, but I think the first draft I might just force lands. And I think for specifically draft number one, I would pick an overpower. But like draft number two, I would not.
0: That's that's something you should probably record and put onto our uh, our Twitch channel. (laughs) (laughs) Where, Where can you find that Twitch channel? Oh, man. Uh, our Twitch channel, for those who don't know, we do have. I mean, we technically have one for the show. That's the uh, Dark Depths. Um, that's on Twitch and on YouTube. But we also do have Mapson has his own his own uh, Twitch as well, which is at Expedition Map. Yes, which one day maybe I'll use again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should get out of here again. So let's go back. <laughs> uh, Mapson, where can people find you? Uh, at Expedition Map on the internet (laughs) where can people find you uh you can find me at bad luck bandit on twitter you can find the show at depths underscore podcast on uh twitter as well if you're interested in any of the information we talked about um during the show it's in our show notes but we do have that little bumper in the beginning ways to support us uh ways to find our deck lists and things like that um there's a bunch of links on our twitter uh in a link tree so they are all there uh, and once again, uh, thank you to our guest, Mike Everett. Um, his information will be in our show notes as well. So uh, please check him out, support him, give him some follows, ask him plenty of an annoying and interesting questions about food chain. I'm sure he would love to answer them. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, I'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Okay.
2: Not me, but see you next week.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Bye. Bye.